Well, good morning and welcome to the bridge. Hey, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building with us, there's one thing that we're going to do together, and that's worship the King of Kings. So let's put our hands together. Come on.
keep his promises and he makes a way where there's no way and we worship him for who he is and for all he has done in our lives we lift up your name this morning Jesus we worship you this morning we thank you you are here Oh, 
church all over this place if you believe that would you lift up a shout of praise to the way maker to the king of kings and the lord of lords come on i can't help but to get out of my head king david before he was a king 12 13 years old standing in front of a giant standing in front of a battle-torn warrior and he said you come at me with sword and javelin and spear but i come at you in the name of the lord for the battle is his and i just can't help but to think in this room how many people you need to declare today you come at me with disease you come at me with drama you come at me with family disputes you come at me with financial hardship but i come at you in the name of the Lord, because the battle is his. Amen. And all over this place, I can't help but to think how many of us have been carrying it like it's our battle. Come on, today, can I tell you it's not your battle to carry. Here's what I love about our God, our God, the way maker. If someone or something's got a problem with you, they've got a problem with him. And and when Goliath made it a point to come at the people of God, who are we? We are the people of God. When Goliath made it a point to come at the people of God, God took it personally. And when the enemy makes it a point to come at you, God takes it personally. And you don't got, you don't got to walk around like it's your battle. I, I love, I love the, um, almost the leisure that David had in the middle of this battle. And when it was time to fight, Read it. It says he ran towards Goliath. No hesitation. No fear. 
none of it. And really quick, how did, how did David kill Goliath? We, we famously remember the, the sling and the stone, but it wasn't the sling and the stone. He took his own sword from him, and that's how he killed Goliath. Can I tell you, the very thing that the enemy has designed and designated to destroy you, God is taking from his hand, placing it in yours, and saying it's the thing you will use to destroy him. Come on, all over this place, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands in the presence of God today? Lord, we declare today that you are the way maker and the miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You've never failed us. You've never abandoned us. You will never forsake us, God, and we believe that today. We declare that today. We stand on the truth of your word. And right here, right now, God, we just give the battle to you, God. We walk weightless, God. We walk right now, God, with anticipation that you are already at work. God, we are not carrying the weight. We are not moving forward as if this is our battle to fight. And we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because you already purchased it for us, Jesus, on the cross. It's who you are. Bring breakthrough, God, even when we don't feel it even when we don't see it we know that you're working and we trust you today and we put it in your hands in Jesus name all of God's people said come on all of God's people said amen 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 the presence of God is so tangible in this place today we are so so excited to see you can I just say there's nothing like worshiping God with your church family in the house of God. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. Amen. Hey, we have an amazing morning planned. We're so excited for this morning. Hey, really quick, we want to give the opportunity. If you'd like to, you don't have to. But if you're a family with kids and you'd like to head over and check out our family room, feel free to head over. If you want to stay here and hang out, you and all the kids, they're more than welcome to stay here and hang out with us. We're really excited for today. Hey, really quick, why don't you just look around. No handshakes or high fives or anything. But look around, say hi to somebody from across the room. Say what's up. Tell them how much you miss them and then find your seat and let's watch church news together. Labor Day weekend, Bridge family. We are so glad that you are joining us in church today, whether you're online or right here in the room. We're so, so glad that you're with us. We want to keep you informed about everything that's going on here at the Bridge so that you can make your plans to stay connected. So here's a look at church news. We hope you will join us for everything that's coming up. What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, this month, the youth schedule is changing up just a little bit. We're gonna be doing outdoor services every other week. We just had our first one this last Wednesday, so that means this week, the 9th, we have online service and connect groups at 7 p.m. And then the following week, we got another outdoor service. Hangs at five, service at six. They're gonna be absolutely awesome. Don't miss out on anything. Make sure, follow us on Instagram, at bridgeyth underscore, to stay updated on everything. We love you and miss you. See you soon, Bridge Youth. We're excited to announce the relaunch of Connect Groups online this fall at The Bridge. Because in-person groups are limited, we are working hard to help you stay connected with your church family throughout the fall season. You might be wondering, 
Can I really make deep connections and new friendships through online groups? Well, we would love to meet with you and tell you that you can help people grow in their walk with God and build deeper friendships through online groups. If you are interested in leading a group, we invite you to join us for a new Connect Group Leaders meeting. It's happening Sunday, September 20th at 11 a.m. And you can join us online or in person here at the church. If you'd like to come, just sign up on our website or the Bridge Church app. The new groups will be launching in October, and we would love for you to consider leading one of them. We hope you'll sign up and come to our new leaders meeting on Sunday, September 20th. If you are new to The Bridge, we would love to help you get connected. Just go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv, and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a digital Connect card where you can give us your info, and we will do our best to help you get plugged in here in the church. You can also stay up to date with everything that's going on by downloading The Bridge app. Just simply text the keywords, The Bridge Church app, to 779 This is the best way to get up-to-the-minute info on everything that's coming up in church life. And if you are here in the building today, just grab one of those Connect cards on the back of the seat, fill it out, and drop it at any one of our giving stations here in the facility, and we will do our best to help you get connected. We are so glad that you joined us today. It's going to be a great day in service, and we are expecting great things. So let's get into the message today. Good morning. How are you today? What's going on? Come on, this is your chance to talk out loud in church. Remember your mama told you don't talk in church? Pastor Gary says this is your chance to talk in church. All right, what's going on? Well, somebody didn't get your morning coffee or something here. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. Those of you joining us online, thanks for joining us today. Online church, those of you who are here in the house, hey, God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. And happy Labor Day weekend. Why do they call it Labor Day and then they give you a day off? Does anybody understand that one yet? I don't understand that. You don't have to work tomorrow, but they call it Labor Day. How many of you have a wife and you do have to work tomorrow? You have a honeydew list. Boy, you're a tough crowd this morning, I'll tell you. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, are you enjoying the weather? Let me just say it, let me just say it right now, right up front. Uh, we have canceled this evening's outdoor service because it'll still be over 100 degrees at 6 o'clock. And with the setup and the teardown, and you, know, you can't really tailgate, and, and you can't really sit in your car in this heat. So we've canceled this evening's service. We had ice cream tonight, too. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to hold that till next week. Hopefully it doesn't melt, and we'll do it then. Uh, hey, I, I know one thing. How, how many of you read a daily devotional? Do you read it? How many of you read a daily devotional or you read daily scriptures? I had a thought for the day. This is not part of my sermon. This is free. This is just extra stuff for you. Uh, I was thinking this morning, if hell is hotter than Temecula is right now, you do not want to go. Okay? You just don't want to go. I don't think I've ever seen it this hot here in Temecula. This is tough. All right, let's pray this morning and get into God's Word. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your hand and for your favor that rests upon us. 
Now, these next few moments, I just ask that your word would come alive, that you would give us direction for our individual lives. For what you've dropped in my heart today, open up our hearts and help me communicate to your people today your heart for us. And we thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few minutes, I'm going to read from Psalms 91, a very familiar portion of Scripture, something we refer to quite regularly in, in Christian circles. But before I start reading from Psalms 91, I, I want to set this up. I was raised around a gas station. My father owned an old-fashioned, old-school gas station. Now, some of you here probably won't have any idea what I'm talking about when I say this. We had the old-school gas stations where you didn't pump your own gas. It was not self-serve. How many can remember that? All right, some of you still remember that. All right. So, you know, somebody would pull up to the pump. You walk out, may I help you? Yeah, I want $5 worth of regular or $5 worth of unleaded or $5 worth of ethyl or whatever it was that they wanted. They would tell you, and then you would say, well, can I check your oil? How about, can I check the, your, your radiator? Should I check the air in your tires? It was full service. Whatever you needed done, we did it right there. And then in the back of the gas station, they had mechanics who worked on cars and did all that stuff. It was old school gas station. And, you know, when, when you're sitting in the office and somebody pulls up to the pump, you jump up and you run out there with a smile on your face. May I help you? And every now and then you have somebody pull up. And this is really old school. Like I said, some of you won't remember this. But somebody would pull up and say, yeah, can you give me directions to Ford Park? Do you want gas? No. you want to buy oil? No. you want to buy anything? No. You made me jump up and run all the way out here just so you could ask me for directions? I mean, that was the gas station worker's nightmare. Somebody wanting free information, okay? So you'd, you'd try to give them instructions and give them directions how to get there. But, but here's the thing. In today's world, you know, you got the map apps and you got all this stuff and directions is at your, are, are at your fingertip. They're just right there. But I've been thinking about something the last several days out of Psalms 91. And it says that God has a secret place. God has a secret place. That's what the psalmist said. Evidently, it's a place where not everybody goes and it's even a place that not everybody knows about and i want to talk about god's secret place today and i'm going to give you directions how you can get there we're going to look at psalms 91 but i don't have time to read the whole psalm but let me just give you some highlights real quickly here's what god says about his secret place he says it's a place of safety it's a place of protection now, I want you to help me for a moment. Just look over at somebody. You know, don't, don't disturb their personal space. But just look over and say, God has a secret place. Come on, everybody. Everybody. God? God has a secret place. Some of you already knew this. Some of you didn't. God has a secret place. And here's what he says about his secret place. When you're in the secret place, no evil shall befall you, and nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. That sounds like a place I'd like to be. Then he says, surely God will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. I'd like to be there. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. 
He says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. I want to go there. I want to be there. He says, you shall call upon me and I will answer you and I will be with you even in times of trouble. How many of you would like to have God with you in every season of trouble? Wouldn't that be nice? And then finally he says, I will deliver you and I will honor you and with long life I will satisfy you. How many of you want a few more years of health and strength? The rest of you ready to go today or what? I'll, I'll take the extra years, okay? If you don't want yours, just pass them on down to Pastor Gary. I'll take them. See, now, I know what you're thinking. I read those verses, and you're thinking, well, yeah, that sounds wonderful, but this secret place, how do I get there? Well, I'm going to give you directions this morning, straight from Psalms 91, of how we get to that secret place. I'm going to give you three main thoughts today. Look at Psalms 91, verse number one. He who dwells... In the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, let's pause here for a moment. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of Almighty God. God has this secret place, this place of safety and protection. And David speaks from his experience and he says, you can dwell in God's secret place. Several weeks ago, I, I shared one Sunday about David. And, you know, David spent a few months, maybe a few years of his life in caves, hiding from the enemy. But yet, even in those moments, he realized that he could scheme and try to protect himself. But ultimately, his protection came from the Lord. And he, he spoke that, he voiced that, he wrote those words. He wanted everybody to know, God has this secret place and you can dwell, you can live in this secret place. Every morning when I wake up, I'm reminded of where I'm living. Just think about that for a minute. It's not real deep, it's pretty simple, okay? Every morning you wake up, whether the alarm gets you or you wake up on your own, you open your eyes, you see the ceiling, you look around at the walls, and you remember, this is where I'm staying, where I'm dwelling, where I'm living. This is my abiding place. But you know, what we learn about physical life, sometimes we can learn lessons about spiritual life and emotional life. All of us are living in a place, in a house, in a dwelling, in an apartment, whatever it might be. We're living in a place, and it's our dwelling place. And David said, you can dwell, you can live in God's secret hiding place, and he will protect you. Not my words. I didn't make that up this morning. It's the words of the psalmist. And Here's another thing that I think is so important for us to understand. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I was thinking yesterday about this. Everybody is under some kind of shadow. Somebody is casting a shadow 
in your life. Somebody is covering and influencing you. And the psalmist said, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, it is God's shadow that covers you and protects you and influences you. So the psalmist said, if you're dwelling, if you're living in God's place, his secret place, you've always got his shadow covering you. So let me turn that around for just a moment. If I don't see God's shadow around my life, what does that mean? That means I'm not living very close to God. Now, I'm a pastor. People say, well, you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're supposed to do those things. For many years, I've learned to take time each day, pretty much every day of my life, talk to God, open up his word, and listen and let him speak to me. Why? Because I want to stay close enough to him that his shadow's covering my life. I don't want to get out from under his influence. I don't want to move away. I don't want to think differently than what he thinks. I want to know what's in his heart. I want to know what's in his mind. And I want what's in his heart and his mind to be in my heart and in my mind. So let me ask you today. Have you learned? Have you learned to live close enough to God that his shadow is always influencing your life? I told you I'm going to share three main thoughts today. The first thought is move as close to God as you can get and then stay there. Stay there. You know, I, I've told you a little bit in the past about this. I grew up in a really old-fashioned legalistic church. And growing up in that church, we had a lot of revivals because we were taught to get close to God and then stray from God. And then have revival and get close to God. And then move away from God. And if you look at Israel's story in the Old Testament, it's almost as if we were taught that through all the legalism they gave us. You're never going to do it right. You're never going to get close enough to God. You get close to God and you move away. You get close and you move away. And some of us took that to heart. So we got saved like 417 times in our lifetime. Because we knew when we got saved and we asked God to forgive us, he was writing our name in pencil because he was going to erase it later that week. And we never learned the secret of living close to God. Now, I want to skip down. We'll come back in just a moment. But skip down to verses 9 and 10 because I want to show you something. It reinforces what David said. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under God's shadow. In verse 9 he says, because you've made the Lord. Notice the words. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Because you made the Lord your dwelling place, verse 10, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. You see, we, we choose where we live. I mentioned a few moments ago, I'm reminded every morning where I live. We choose where we live. For the most part, we choose what neighborhood we want to live in, what kind of house we want to live in, if it's an apartment, if it's a condo, if it's a single family residence, if there's property, if there's not, if it's a larger house or a smaller house. We choose where we want to live. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we choose where we're going to live. 
I can live under his shadow and know his influence and protection is always there. Or I can live out on my own. You see, David speaks to all of us here, and here's what he's saying. You need to choose to live close to God. You need to choose to live close to God. A few years ago, I shared a message here, and I was talking about good doctrine, good doctrine, good teaching. One of the things that good Bible teaching does is it draws us closer to God. If teaching is not making you get closer to God and trust him more, you're getting bad teaching. You're getting bad doctrine. Good doctrine draws us closer to God. David said, you choose where you want to live. So number one, we need to get as close to God as we can get. And then stay there. If you wake up one morning and God's shadow's not there, get alone with God and get close enough to him that his shadow begins to influence your heart and your life. Because you choose where you're going to live. You see, living in God's secret place, his hiding place, that's my choice. The problem is, our human nature causes us to want to visit God. I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I'll come. I need to visit God. We haven't, we haven't visited in a while. Well, you're not living under his shadow? Nah, no, 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 I don't want to live under his shadow. When I get in trouble, I run to God. When things are bad, I run to God. When I've got problems, I run to God. But you know what? I don't live that close. It's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. One of the reasons people live in so much fear is because they've not got close to God and stayed there and let his shadow influence their lives. So let me ask you, Maybe ask yourself today, am, am I living close to God? Or am I just occasionally visiting him? Am I living in God's secret hiding place? Or when trouble comes or when peace comes my way and things are going really good, do I run to other places and other people? Who do I really trust? Have I made the Lord my hiding place? This is what the psalmist said. You have to choose to make God your hiding place. You choose to do it, you choose not to do it. That's the beauty. He that dwells in the secret place will give me directions. Okay, here's where it starts. Get as close to God as you can and stay there. Don't let people, things, other voices distract you and move you away from God. Only you can make the decision to live close to God. And number two, look at verse number two. Psalms 91 verse two. I love this verse. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God and I will trust him. Number two, second thing, second direction I want to give you is you need to agree with God. You need to get an agreement with God. You need to agree with what God says. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We meditate, which means to mutter, to say over and over again. We say what God says until it becomes a part of our lives. The psalmist says, I will say of the Lord. David speaks here of his own faith. He's saying, I have this deep faith in God. 
But I don't just keep it to myself. I exercise this faith. And the way I do it is I talk to God and I talk to people and I agree with God and I say what God says. I will say of the Lord, what? He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. I trust him. See, when you're living under his shadow, it's easy to trust him. When you don't know where he is, it gets more difficult. When you know you're in that secret place and you're in fellowship and relationship with God, you just know he's there and you trust him. But when you lose that trust, what does that mean? That means you've moved away from God and you've lost that closeness that settled your heart. What are you saying today? What have you been saying the last week, two weeks, month, two months, three months? Five months, six months. What have you been saying? What have you been saying about your life? What have you been saying about the world around you? What have you been saying about COVID? Well, COVID's bigger than God. Some people are saying that. I've heard Christians say that. Well, oh, I've got to protect myself. I've got to find somebody to protect me. God's not going to protect me at this season. Really? It's not what the psalmist said. I know I'm making somebody mad. It's probably somebody, somebody online today is mad at me. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Probably Aunt Thelma. Aunt Thelma's all the time getting upset about stuff. I apologize, Aunt Thelma. But what are you saying? What are you saying about this season? What are you saying about your finances? What are you saying about your future? You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Are you saying what God says about your future? Or are you saying what the world says about your future? Are you saying what Scripture says or are you saying things that are contrary to Scripture? You say, well, what difference does it make? Well, let me go one step further. What are you saying about God? What do you say God will do in your life? What are you saying God will do for you? Am I talking myself out of trusting God? You see, my words reveal where I've placed my trust. Thank you for the amens. I thought I was in here fighting by myself for a couple minutes there. Come on, those of you at home, let out a big hallelujah right now. Help me out. Yeah, even got some here in the building. See, see my words reveal who I trust and what I trust. You know, in, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, you know, the psalmist and then Solomon in writing, they talk about the heart. And one of the things you find in the Proverbs and in the Psalms is in dealing with the heart, they say you need to guard your heart. You need to protect your heart. You need to watch your heart. Because everything that happens in life comes out of your heart. But Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've been listening a lot lately. To what people are saying why because people are going to tell you what they really think what they really believe and where their trust is people will tell you what they believe about god people will tell you yeah i don't believe that now if you ask them do you believe that yeah but listen to their words and they tell you just the opposite no i don't believe that smile at me this morning those of you at home smile at me you look better when you smile thank you 
in this unusual season, what am I saying? Who am I trusting? What do I say about the Lord? Do, do I read his word and say, yes? Or do I read his word and say, well, I don't believe that one? Why would anyone, why would any believer want to argue and disagree with God? Have you ever known somebody that it doesn't matter which promise you read out of Scripture, they try to tell you why it won't work? Have you ever known somebody like that? It's like you pick any promise. Well, yeah, but you know what? That doesn't always work. It doesn't work here. It doesn't. Yeah, I know. God only tells the truth part of the time. Why would anyone want to argue with God? Why would anyone ever look for reasons to doubt God? See, my words set the course for my life. Your life is going where you say you're going. Because what you believe is what you're saying. This is good. Well, I don't like that kind of teaching. Well, I'll get on something else next week. All right, so, so stay with us. But we need to hear this today. So number two, you need to agree with God and say it loud. Say it loud. He's a psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Saul's on your tail. I will trust in the Lord. Oh, the enemy's chasing you. I will trust in the Lord. Oh, there's sickness and plagues going around. I will trust in the Lord because he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High is under the shadow and protection of the Almighty. Who are you trusting today? Well, Fauci keeps changing his mind. That's why you need to read this. Because God hadn't changed his mind. Oh, I just, I just love to stir the pot. Number three, am I okay here? I always look at my wife because if I'm getting out of bounds, she'll look at me and say, no, I'm kidding. She doesn't do it. Third thing, third thought. I'm almost finished. Look at verse number 14. I love this part. Verse 14, the psalmist says, be, or actually this is the Lord speaking. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. See, this psalm, Psalms 91, as you read through it, it's kind of back and forth. David says, and you need to say, and then there's one part in here where the Lord starts talking. This is where we're at in verse 14. The Lord's talking. And there's two things that God says. Now, when I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading what David says or what Daniel says or what John says or anybody else, when I'm reading what somebody says, I pay attention. But when I read something that says God says, I really pay attention. Okay? God says two things here, and I want you to look at this. God says you need to, and this is the third thing, you need to set your affections on me and get to know me. We've already talked about two things. Here's the third thing. Set your affections, set your heart on the Lord, and get to know him. How, how do I get? Give me directions of that secret place. This is the third one I want to give you. Set your heart on God and get to know him. Now, let me walk through this with you. 
The Lord says, because you've set your love on me, I'll deliver you. I'll deliver you. Let me back up for just a moment. Remember the story of David when he was chosen to be king and anointed by Samuel? You know, they, they paraded all of his brothers, starting with the oldest and the next oldest and the next oldest. They passed all the brothers by, and everyone that passed by, Samuel looked at it and said, this has got to be the one. And God said, nope. All the brothers came by except David, and he's out in the field with the sheep. So Samuel says, man, is this, is this it? Well, look at, these, look at these boys. Any one of them could be a king. And Samuel said, no, 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 you, you got it wrong because they all look like kings, but God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God's looking on the heart. God wants to know where you're going to set your affections. And, well, I got one more son out in the field with the sheep. That's David, but he's the young kid, and, you know, he's not really ready for prime time yet. Well, bring him on in. They brought him in, and Samuel said, this is the one, and he took the oil and poured it out on his head. And he said, God looks on the heart this is so important you know we have so much theology so much theology and it gets used so many ways but let me simplify things for you god looks on your heart he wants to know what's going on in your heart he knows your intentions you can say one thing and be thinking something else god knows what's really going on inside of you god's looking to see where have you set your affections And God said to Samuel, David is a man after my heart. He's fastened his heart. He's fastened his affections to what I want. And I'm going to bless him and I'm going to use him. Set your affections on God. Let me illustrate this to you. Remember when you first fell in love with your spouse? Remember when you first met your spouse? I remember when Ann and I, first time we went out, we went out just for a casual lunch. And something happened. And I mean, she set her affections on me and she chased me. And she... You say, what are you doing? I'm speaking things that are not as though they were. That's what I'm doing here. <clears throat> She chased me and she chased me. Let, me. let me finish my illustration, okay? Remember, remember when you first met that special person? And man, all you could do was think about her or think about him. All you wanted to do was spend time with that person. I mean, all of a sudden, love sets in and you, you set your heart, you set your affections and you begin to do goofy things that you wouldn't normally do like buy flowers and candy and stuff like that and go to expensive dinners and you're smiling thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I just spent this much money on dinner. I'm, I'm, speak, I'm talking about men, okay? I'm not talking about women, I'm talking about men. <laughs> but you do all this stuff because you got your affections set on this person. All you wanted to do was learn more about them and get to know them, every little thing about them. You set your affections on her or on him. And that person became your interest, your life. That's all you thought about. Making that person happy, loving that person so they would love you the way you loved them. Can I tell you something? 
In church life, we struggle with this when it comes to God. We struggle with setting our affections on God. Because what we do is we define love by earthly love. We think of love on my spouse or my kids or this. It's this love. It's that love. The love of God is totally different. God loves us because he sees value in us. God's love, agape love, is really based on the value of the person God loves. God put his own son on a cross for you, for me, because he saw that much value in us. And he said, you want to know how much I think you're worth? I think you're worth this much. Then he put his son on a cross to show us how much he loved us. And then we get into this ooey-gooey love that comes and goes. No, that's not God's love. We need to set that aside, that emotional love. And we need to set our affections and our heart on God. And we need to learn to honor God, to love God, to value God the way he values us. God, I love you so much that every word that comes out of your mouth, I believe you can't lie, and it's true. And if I will trust you, if I will stay close to you, you keep your shadow over me. You keep your wings spread out. And if I stay close to you, you'll direct my footsteps. If I stay close to you, everything you say in Psalms 91 will come to pass. But God, I want to set my affections on you. If we don't set our affections on God, we end up living from crisis to crisis. And we visit God when we get in trouble, but when the trouble is over, what do we do? We get out from under the shadow and we go back to our old ways and our old hangouts. And God said, if you will set your affection on me, I'll take care of you. My wife and I have a part of our marriage. It's been this way since before we got married. It was a common understanding before we, this is part of our prenuptials. She made me sign this thing. I could not have all of her family wealth and so on and so forth. If I, if I, no, she didn't really. I'm going on vacation after church today. I'm excited to get out of here. I'm going to visit my son in Texas. But here's, I want you to hear this. We have this agreement. And we say it from time to time. I love you more than anything in this world except Jesus. I say she's the love of my life, but you know what? She's the second love of my life, and she's okay with that. And I'm the second love of her life, and I'm okay with that. Because as long as she's loving Jesus, she'll keep loving me more. As long as I'm loving Jesus, I'll keep loving her more. The closer I get to God, the more of his nature she sees in me. Well, you're not showing very much while you're preaching this morning. Um, God laughs. Scripture says God laughs, okay? Some of you ought to try it sometimes. Good for your heart. <laughs> I'm just having fun today, folks. I'm just so excited to be with God's people in an air-conditioned room. So, where have I set my affection? Who and what's the most important thing in my life? You know, I say this all the time. 
You, you show me where you spend your time and where you spend your money, and I'll tell you who your God is. And let me, let me throw one more little thing in, because I said there's two things God said, and I'm almost finished. I'm going to get the last one. God won't be my mistress. He won't be my fling. He wants to be my God. And the first thing he said when he started laying out the law, he said, you're not going to have any other gods. I'm the only God in your life. Do you live that way? Do you live that way? Or are there things that influence you and interfere with that love and that trust for God? In Revelation chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, but Revelation 2, Jesus was addressing the church at Ephesus, and he said, you know, you've got a lot of good things going on. He said, but I'm upset with you about one thing. You have left your first love. You've let other things become more important than me and your trust in me and your relationship with me. You confused real love for false love. And he spoke these words. He said, you, you need to remember what it used to be like. Remember from where you've fallen and you need to repent, turn around and go back and rebuild that relationship. You see, we choose where we live. We choose who we love. We choose who we love first and most. And then the, the last thing he said, the, the second thing that God says, he says, because you've known my name, I will set you on high. Now, I am, seriously, I'm almost finished, so stay with me. Because you've known my name, I'll set you on high. Do you know God's name? Jehovah? God, Lord, Jesus? What do you mean? Do you know God's name? Not just do you know it, do you know it? Do you know God's name? God said, if you know my name, I set you on high. I set you above all of it and I protect you. You can look down on it and know that everything is safe and okay if you know my name. Have you ever met a believer Another Christian who's just, never gets rattled. You ever met one of those people? Never get rattled, never afraid. Even in the face of difficult, dangerous circumstances, they just don't get rattled. You know why that is? It's because they know God's name. Now, I'm going to explain it to you, so stay with me. If you go back and look through the Old Testament several times, at least eight times, there are a couple of other instances, but at least eight times, God said, here's my name. And when God said, here's my name, that name identified who he was and what he was. It told you his nature. He said, you can trust my name. When I was a, a young preacher, I heard some life-changing teaching on this. And it set a course for my life. It shapes my prayer life. It shapes my whole walk with God. And I, I'll be honest, if I took a few minutes, I could do it. But I don't practice the Hebrew because the Hebrew doesn't matter to me. I know some people it's important to me. It's not. But I know what God's names are. Because God says, you want to know who I am? This is who I am. 
You know what God said? God said, I am your righteousness. I'm your righteousness. My name is your righteousness. God says, my name is your sanctification. If you're lost in me and you love me, you are set apart in my love. My name is your sanctification. My name says I am always there with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. I'm with you always to the end of this age. I'm always going to be there. That's my name. You know what else he said? I'm your peace, Jehovah Shalom. I'm your peace. You're not going to find peace there, 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 there. I'm your peace. That's my name. I'm your peace. Trust me. He also said, I am your healer. I'm your healer. You can believe me. I'm your healer. That's my name. I'm your provider. I'm your, I'm your provision. Don't look to your boss. Don't look to your job. Don't look to your employer. Look to God and trust him at the top of the ladder because God is the one who provides for us. That's his name. He says, I'm your banner. I love the banner teaching. I, I did this a year and a half or two years ago. God said, I'll fly my flag over your life. And anytime the enemy comes around, if he wants to mess with you, Pastor Corey kind of referenced it. Anytime the enemy comes around, he doesn't see your flag or your family name. He sees my flag and he thinks twice and realizes, eh, I better leave him alone. Because you mess with him, you mess with God. He'll fly his flag over your life. And then the eighth one, he's your shepherd. I don't wander aimlessly through life because the shepherd's leading me. That's his name. That's who he is. That's who he said he was. He says, trust me. I will be your shepherd. I'll lead you. I'll feed you. I'll lead you to all the right places. God said, if you know my name, I'll set you on high. If you know my name, you can live up here. If you don't know my name, you'll live down there under it. But if you know my name, you can live on top of it. Ask yourself, do I know God's name? Do I trust God's name? Every time I get in a situation, I stop and think about God's name, his names. It reminds me, this is who he'll be. Just get close to him. Get close to him. I wish today, in closing, that I wish I could take you to God's secret place. I wish I could take you there. But I can't. But if you want to go, the psalmist and I can give you directions. First of all, move as close to God as you can and stay there under his shadow. Second of all, agree with him. Say it out loud. Tell everybody around you, God will protect me. And then third of all, set your affections on God and get to know him. Learn his name and trust him. I want to pray for you today. I know God's speaking to people's hearts. I know that God has probably put his finger on some things and said, you need to adjust this. You need, you need to work on this. Let me pray for you right now. Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for giving us direction for this 
season of life and for every season of life. Thank you for reminding us who you are and what you said you would be and do in our lives. Now, God, today we want to run to that secret place of safety and protection. So God, according to what has touched our hearts today, according to what you've said to us individually today, we draw close to you. We don't run from you, we move towards you. We come close to you to abide under your shadow. We want to learn your ways. We want to set our affections on you. We want to agree with you in what you say in your word. So God, draw us close. Father, you said that your word would bring correction. It would bring direction to us. God, adjust our hearts today. Adjust our hearts. For something that's out of the line, if, if we're listening to the wrong voices, if, if we've got the wrong shadow over our lives, God, move us out from under that shadow and help us draw close to you and get under your shadow. And then God, shepherd us and lead us. Lead us. We want to stay close to you under your shadow. God, there's some people in this building today they are going through some rough spots, maybe some difficult days. God, as they reach out to you, just guide them, lead them to your shadow and help them to stay right there. In Jesus' name I pray. While heads are still bowed, one last thing. Maybe online you're watching this or maybe you're in the building today and you've, you've listened to this and you've thought, Wow, I wish I knew God. I, I wish that kind of God was involved in my life. Is there really a God that cares that much? Absolutely. And he cares for you so much. He put his own son on a cross to bring you into his family where you could learn to trust him. But you see, he's a gentleman. He doesn't rush into your life and knock down the walls and demand you follow him. He asked you to submit your will to him, to open your life. As he knocks on the door of your heart, he asked you to open it and let him come in and become your God. You have to make that choice. You do it with words. You do it with a prayer. You just invite him in. I want to lead you in a prayer today. Maybe these words will help you open your heart. You may have other words in your heart, but right now, I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching at home, I ask you to pray this prayer. You may want to add to it as you go. But let's pray this prayer together. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want to know you. I want to be your child. I want you to be my father. So I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. Teach me. And I will follow you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me today. From this day forward, I will follow you. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what's behind you. God forgives everything. He sets you in his family and he says, now, walk with me. You know what? 
You made a commitment to God, but that's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. We've got a gift we want to give you, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. We want to welcome you to God's family, but in just a moment, we'll tell you how you can get that booklet here in the building or watching online today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you. Amen, amen. Hey, can we thank Pastor Gary for that amazing message this morning? Hey, if you just made that decision, whether you're in the house or online, that's the best decision you could ever make with your entire life. And like Pastor Gary said, it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. And we feel like it's our obligation to help you walk out what's really going to be one of the most important weeks of your life. So we want to give you something we call the next seven days. So if you're here, there's a couple ways you could get it in-house. There'll be prayer teams right after service on both sides of the auditorium. You could grab a copy of the next seven days from them. Or right before you get to the glass doors as you exit, there's a desk set up right there that next seven days counter you could also grab it from right there if you're watching online there's a connect tab you can click that let us know you made that decision we'll get you the next seven days if you get lost and you can't find it just go to any one of our social media platforms just dm us message us the words next seven and we'll get you next seven days hey one more time can we welcome people into god's family this morning so awesome Hey, um, we're not going to be passing around containers today for obvious reasons, but we have set up giving stations on the way out. There's one on either side of the exits before you get to the foyer, and also in the foyer towards the right before you get to the kids section. There's a drop center right there too where you can give. I just want to say you guys are amazing. Um, in this time, we've had food drives where we've been able to give hundreds and hundreds of families in need um, food and we've been able to meet needs. And um, today, as you're driving out, you might see um, a line of cars. Uh, you might be, might be a little bit of uh, uh, traffic getting out. But instead of being in any way aggravated, just be encouraged that what's happening is that those are people who are receiving food from our community care program today. And, and that's only possible because of generous givers like you guys. This last Wednesday, I have to do it. I'm the youth pastor. I'm biased. We had 186 young people outside for our first youth outdoor service, and 15 people gave their life to Jesus. And none of it would be possible without you guys. So seriously, you guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much. Hey, if today, um, I don't know about you, but I just felt like um, early in service, I was like, man, this is going to be a breakthrough service. And, and something about Pastor Gary's message and coming through, I just feel this overwhelming sense of peace. And, and today, if before you go, you want to get prayer, um, we're going to have prayer teams set up on both sides of the auditorium in the lower section. If you need prayer, they'll be wearing masks. We'll be able to social distance, all of that sort of stuff. But if you need prayer, go ahead, grab prayer from uh, our prayer teams. If you're online in the chat, um, you can ask for prayer right there. There's a, there's a button you can press to request prayer right there. So we want to pray for you. We want to partner with you. Um, just want to remind you, as we head out, uh, you can exit through the foyer, but there's also exits on either side of the auditorium that you can go out as well. Can I just say, hey, thank you so, so much for helping us out. I, I know me, um, I want to like sit next to people and talk to them and chat with them. I want people in every single row and all of that. But hey, thank you so much for helping us with these guidelines. Uh, it was said last week, I'll say it. 
If I have to wear a mask to be in church, I will wear a mask. If I have to sit a couple chairs away from anybody except for my wife, then I will do it to be in the house of God. Any of that is worth it to me. So thank you guys so much. Hey, um, last thing, we will not be having our outdoor service tonight. It's supposed to be like 8 million degrees outside. And so enjoy your time at home and your weekend with your family. Have you enjoyed being in church this morning, church? Hey, we love you so, so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.